Welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and it's just a joy and a privilege to be with you today. In this episode, we will begin with the topic entitled, Managing a Career Change. Then we will transition to our segment, How Did We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with our sunflower message. Do you have a show idea? Please send it to admin at livelaughtalk.com. In addition, if listening on Spotify, you can add a voice memo as well as comments and participate in our poll with every show. Also, wherever you listen to the podcast, please follow us so that you're notified of new episodes every time they're released. The topic that we will begin with is entitled Managing a Career Change. There comes a time in many of our lives when what we do for a living has to change. For most of us, that transition is difficult. Maybe there were cutbacks at your present job. Maybe we had a change of heart and wanted to do something new. Possibly there was a life change that necessitated a career change. Whatever the reason, managing a career change can be challenging, but rewarding. Let's speak of some ideas that can help us navigate this transition. First of all, we want to do a self-assessment. We want to reflect on our skills, interests, values, and strengths. Identify also what we want in our new career. Then we want to do our research. Explore potential careers, industries, and job markets. Consider factors like job growth, salary, and job satisfaction. We want to acquire any necessary skills or certifications for our desired field through courses, workshops, or self-study. Then build a professional network in your new field. That may be done by attending industry events, seeking mentorship like we had on our show prior, connect with professionals on LinkedIn. Then we got to look at our resume and our cover letter. We gotta make sure that our resume is up to date with proper information. And also that it's outlined in a way that goes with today's standard in the market. We wanna tailor that application's materials to showcase our relevant skills and experiences for our new career. Then the job search begins. We then begin to look for openings in our target industry and apply actively. Leverage job search websites, company websites, and networking connections. When we have interviews, and they will come because we're, we're prepared. We're that kind of person. We want to prepare for these interviews by researching the company, practicing common interview questions, demonstrating our passion for the new career, and also making sure that we have the outfit that will work for that interview. We want to make sure that we are dressed appropriately because, honestly, people judge you. 
by how you're dressed. We want to emphasize our transferable skills from our previous career that are relevant to the new one. And then, you know what? And this is the part that's hard for me. It's being patient. Career changes take time because rejection is normal. But we have to stay persistent and keep improving our skills and network. We then want to talk to professionals who have made similar career changes for guidance and insight. And all of us, we work. Honestly, we may work in a field that we love, but it's not love that pays bills. And it's not love that gets groceries. So we have to consider the financial implications of the career change. Maybe even save for the transition period and adjust our budget as needed. We have to be open to learning and adapting, recognizing that challenges may arise, but stay committed to our new path. Sometimes this career change could involve risks. So we want to evaluate them carefully and be willing to take calculated chances. Share our goals with our friends and family for emotional support and encouragement. And we have to remember that a career change is a significant life decision. So we need to take time. Time to plan and execute it thoughtfully. And yes, it's never too late to pursue a fulfilling career that aligns with our passions and goals. I have changed careers multiple times. And I know that each time I had all of the fear that I had the very first time. But what I had to do is if I wanted to change entire industries, I had to stay updated with industry trends and advancements. I had to take courses. I had to attend workshops. I also had to read books or articles about that particular career. Then, you know, too, another thing that I had to do is I had to be flexible. I had to be open to starting at a lower position or even a salary that initially wasn't what I wanted, but it would get my foothold in the new field. I had to be laser focused focusing on long-term benefits and growth opportunities and not the paycheck they're set to me at the moment. And whenever we're we're desiring to make a career change, we got to look at where we're going, evaluate that company's culture, so that when considering job offers, we can then assess whether the company's culture align with our values and our work style. Another thing that we can do is if we're getting with a company that doesn't mind us having our own personal brand, do that. Establish an online presence through a professional website or social media profiles that showcase your expertise and passion for the new career understanding that not every aspect of the new career will be perfect, let's adapt to challenges and setbacks with a positive attitude. Continuously seek feedback from your mentors, peers, and supervisors 
to refine your skills and performance. Maintain relationships from the previous career because they may prove valuable in unexpected ways. And then periodically evaluate our progress and make necessary adjustments to our career change plan. Yes, a career change may scare us to death. And the reasons being is it may be because of our age or it may just be because we're not prepared to just walk away and then go out there to a whole new world. Change is scary. But if we worked with ourselves in this dynamic process that we just talked about, it will aid us to require to acquire persistence and adaptability. Then we can trust in our abilities and stay committed to our goal of finding something in our lives that could be more fulfilling than anything we've ever done. So why not take fear out of it? Take on a positive attitude. Take on the mindset that we're going to be adaptable, that we're going to learn, and we're going to be persistent. And then find ourselves finally in a position that fulfills us. Today, we as a country are finding ourselves facing a period of inflation. What is inflation? Well, inflation is the overall rise in the prices of goods and services over time. The annual inflation rate in the United States averaged 3.27% between 1914 and 2022. As such, moderate inflation has been a fact of life and the natural economic state for more than a century. This makes it important to distinguish between the inherent effects of inflation at any rate and those that only come into play during periods when inflation runs unusually high. What is inflation's effects on consumers, investors, and the economy? Well, when prices rise, consumers lose purchasing power, which means the power of a single unit of currency doesn't go as far as it did before. A little inflation isn't much cause for concern, but it can be when prices rise too quickly. As an example, you may know this through life's experiences. Let's say you'd go to the market with $2.50 to buy eggs. With inflation, you might show up at that same market with the same $2.50, but when you get there, the eggs are now three seventy-five. dollars But what causes this increase? This is inflation's primary and most pervasive effect. An overall rise in prices over time actually reduces the purchasing power of consumers since a fixed amount of money will afford progressively less consumption. In other words, Consumers lose purchasing power regardless of what the inflation rate is, whether it's 2% or 4%. 
this just means they lose it twice as fast if it's the higher rate of like, let's just say 4%. Compounding ensures that the overall price level increases more than twice as much over the long run if long run inflation were to double. An imbalance in supply and demand can also happen. And inflation tends to increase when customer demand for goods and services increases, when supplies are limited at a desirable price level. What happens in all of this is inflation disproportionately impacts lower income consumers. Lower income people tend to spend a higher proportion of their income on necessity than those with higher incomes. This means they have less of a cushion against the loss of purchasing power inherent in inflation. Policymakers and financial market participants often focus on core inflation. This means that they will exclude the prices of food and energy because they tend to be more volatile and less reflective of the longer-term inflation trends. But earners with lower income spend a relatively large proportion of their weekly or monthly household budgets on food and energy. Commodities that are hard to substitute or go without when prices spike. In addition, the poor are less likely to own assets like real estate, which has traditionally served as an inflation hedge. And since inflation reduces purchasing power, Consumers represent the primary group who stand to lose when prices rise. That's because their money, frankly, doesn't go nearly as far and allows them a limited number of goods and services that they can purchase, which leads to consumers tending to think twice about a big ticket item, such as a new appliance or a new car, when inflation is high. Even home buyers may feel the pinch during these times. That's because higher prices mean higher interest rates, which we see going on today, which makes borrowing more expensive. People who are on fixed income are also negatively affected by inflation. Consider retirees who receive Social Security. Although they may receive increases in their benefits, which are cost of living increases, it may not be enough to sustain the same standard of living that they're used to when prices increase to certain levels. So to summarize, the impact that inflation has on individuals and their financial well-being is a reduced purchasing power. Yes, prices for goods and services rise due to inflation. And then the purchasing power of money decreases. This means that the same amount of money can buy fewer goods and services over time, like from the example we used of in a grocery store buying eggs. So that leads to a reduced standard of living for people on fixed incomes or with limited wage growth. Eroded savings, too, because inflation can erode the real value of savings and investments. If the return on savings or investments is lower than the inflation rate, the purchasing power of those savings decreases. And this can just make it harder for individuals to achieve their long-term financial goals, such as retirement. Also, inflation leads to higher costs for everyday expenses, like 
housing, food, health care, transportation. This can strain household budgets and force people to allocate more of their income to cover basic needs. And then comes in and creeps in uncertainty. Yes, inflation can create economic uncertainty, making it difficult for individuals to plan for the future. People may be unsure about the cost of education, retirement, or major purchases, making financial planning more challenging. In addition, retirees living on fixed pensions and fixed income investments may find it particularly challenging to keep up with rising prices. Their purchasing power can decline significantly if their income does not increase much to match the inflation. And in response to rising prices, workers may demand higher wages. And this can lead to wage price spirals where employers raise prices to cover increased labor costs, further fueling inflation. And in addition, we talked about the interest rates. Central banks may raise interest rates to combat high inflation. While this can help control inflation, it can also increase borrowing costs for individuals with a variable rate loans, such as mortgages and credit cards. Yes, also asset prices. Inflation can impact asset prices, such as real estate and stocks. While some assets may appreciate in value as a hedge against inflation, Others may not keep up with the pace of the rising prices. And when we live in a world of economic uncertainty that inflation can provide, it can bring about a discouraging investment market. It can be a downfall in economic growth. And the economy as a whole can seem to fall. It's important to note that the impact on inflation can be based on an individual's financial situation, their choices, also their overall economic conditions. But what's most important is that the only way to mitigate the effects of inflation is when we have investment strategies, diversified portfolios, and periodic adjustments to financial plans. But name me someone if you're middle class or below, that has that. Tell me about somebody, your close friend, that has a diversified portfolio, that has periodic adjustments to their financial plan. Most people are working a nine to five. Most people are one paycheck away from being homeless. They don't have any of these cushions. They can't mitigate the effects of inflation at all. So what happens? Well, like we're seeing today, we're seeing the rising interest. We're seeing the rising costs and needs like lodging, transportation, food. So when it gets to the point where inflation has made it difficult to just live, difficult to get the necessities of life, we have to stop and ask ourselves, how did we get here?
our hobby or special interest is collecting sports memorabilia. Yes, this can be a fascinating and rewarding hobby for sports enthusiasts. Many of the reasons why is that when people get into this particular hobby, they have a passion for it. There's a passion for sports. And many collectors have a deep passion that goes so far that allows them to connect with their favorite teams, players, and moments, which makes them some of the best out there. In addition, memorabilia often carries historical significance, preserving moments and milestones in sports history. Some collectors view this as an investment, hoping that the value of their items will appreciate over time. Collecting items also related to favorite teams or players can create a personal connection and nostalgia, reminding these collectors of memorable moments in their lives. I remember reading of a gentleman who had his favorite memory was going to a ball game with his father. And so they collected memorabilia that day. And that ball that he had that was signed by a player became his most precious possession once his father passed away. That is his prized possession. Not because it was some raggedy ball with writing all over it, but the fact that he and his father had this opportunity to share this day together. And it means so much to him. So when we're collecting our sports memorabilia, those things are what we want to keep in mind as well as interests. What interests us the most? It could be items related to a specific sport, team, maybe an era, or a particular athlete. We want to learn about the items that we want to collect and understand their history, their rarity, and value. Books, website, and collector forums can be excellent resources. But you know what? This is an expensive hobby. If we're not like our friend that just took a ball, had it signed, and kept it, we're out here buying the memorabilia, we could blow a budget quickly. So we want to determine how much we're willing to invest in our new hobby because collecting can be as budget-friendly or as expensive as you choose. And today, we have so many reputable sources that we can get certificates of authenticity so that when we're buying these things, we can ensure that it comes with the proper authentication. Sorry. So that when we buy these high-value items, we're not getting the shaft. They have the proper authenticity, and everything about it is real. And let's just start small. See, before you begin your collection, get things that are small, affordable items, and then gradually work our way up to the more valuable pieces. In doing so, we can network with other collectors and enthusiasts, either in person or online, and they can provide us with valuable resources. There's also many events to attend. There's so many shows, conventions, and auctions that we can meet a wide variety of sellers, collectors, and experts and get items from all over the world. The 
when we do this, we want to make sure that our memorabilia is stored in a safe and climate-controlled environment to protect it from damage. In addition, let's keep our records of our collection, including photographs and descriptions, so that this could be helpful for insurance purposes and tracking if the item's value goes up over time. But most importantly, as with all of our, uh, our uh, special interests and our hobbies, we want to make sure that we have fun. We want to enjoy the process. Because anything that we do, including collecting sports memorabilia, should be enjoying, enjoyable and fulfilling. It's about celebrating your love for sports and the history associated with it, whether it's personal history or the fact that it's an older card ball and it brings its own history with it. As a personal hobby, valuable items can be rare and in demand. So we want to collect what we love and enjoy and take this journey to build a collection that's worthy of being proud of. So whether you're a casual collector or a dedicated enthusiast, it can be a fulfilling pursuit that combines your love for sports and the thrill of discovery and preservation. It's time for our happy note, our sunflower message. And it's a poem. In the mirror's gaze, I see my worth, a treasure trove from my day of birth. With every step I grow and learn, in every challenge I'll discern. I am strong with courage in my heart, ready to face each new start. I embrace my flaws, for they define the uniqueness that is truly mine. In times of doubt, I still believe in myself I'll always achieve. With determination, I'll persist in my dreams. I do insist. I am worthy. I am enough. In life's journey, I'll be tough. With love and kindness, I'll prevail. My soul and my spirit soul soars like wind and sail. So in this moment, I proclaim myself, my path, my life's sweet game. With affirmation, I will thrive in this precious life, I'll truly come alive. On Cash App at dollar sign Live Laugh Talk and on Twitter at Live Laugh Talker also on Spotify as a dollar sign. And this dollar sign is so that you can donate to support the podcast. And we need any and all donations. They will be appreciated and used properly to grow the podcast. We want to also remind you to rate us the highest score that you can on your podcast platform and also to tell your friends, family, colleagues, all about us. Don't forget to go into Etsy at How Did We Get Here? That's Etsy at How Did We Get Here? And you will receive beautiful shirts, tote bags, and cups if you wish to purchase these at a very reasonable price and they are absolutely beautiful items so don't forget that's etsy 
and how did we get This is James and Georgia's baby boy signing off. And as you know, I can't wait to talk with you again soon.